Hello friends, welcome back. This is Matt, and this is episode 10 of the Something From Everything podcast. This one is an older one, updated from the blog for the podcast, and I am still very proud of it. I'm so excited to share it with you. This one is all about the comedian Pete Holmes, and religion, and spirituality, and psychedelics, but really, really, this one is about wonder, and awe, and joy. And oh, I hope you enjoy it. This one is entitled, The Gatekeepers of Thisness. The funny thing about comedians is, well, everything, hopefully. The first time I heard the comedian Pete Holmes speak, he was not funny. But he, he wasn't trying to be. I was listening to his podcast, You Made It Weird, and he was asking his guest if the guest thought that it was game over when you die. I wasn't sure if there would be a punchline. And there was none. Just an incredibly eager and energetic conversation about consciousness, the eternal soul, Christianity, Hinduism, sex, and hallucinogenic drugs. You know, like you do. It doesn't take long listening to his You Made It Weird podcast or watching any of his stand-up material to realize that Pete Holmes is an open book. And he has a book that you can open. So I did. Comedy Sex God is part memoir, part send-up to Pete's heroes, and part philosophical, theological musings. It is awkward, electric, and sprawling, and funny. It is funny. I'm not sure exactly what got cut out, but Pete, he kept a lot in. At first, Pete's candor is a little alarming. Pete describes being a well-intentioned Christian teen, regularly involved in his local church, in love with Jesus, and, because he was a sexually repressed teenage boy, being uncomfortably horny all the time. Pete describes a very specific and vivid fear that Jesus' return, referred to as a rapture, would occur at any moment that he happened to be masturbating, which he tells us was often. <laughs> now, if the pairing of the theological concept of the rapture with masturbation makes you feel uncomfortable, you're in good company. It made me feel very uncomfortable. But Pete does this throughout the book, his podcast, and his stand-up specials. He places ideas and concepts next to each other that seemingly do not belong. He seems to radically accept that which I might think sounds shameful. Things that most of us would keep separate, if not hidden, completely. But that's hardly abnormal behavior for a comedian, right? Comedy often shines a spotlight on the absurd, the embarrassing, the taboo. The comedian is tasked with mining all the things that we might think, but never say. And Pete Holmes is undoubtedly a, com a comedian. After all, nervous laughter is still laughter, right? <laughs> And now, lots of comedians talk about religion and spirituality. That's not surprising. And it makes sense. When you are looking for the seemingly absurd, religion is a very, very deep well of material. And neither are comedians alone in these observations. As less and less of the population affiliates with organized religion, more and more people are speaking out about how strange and or harmful their experience of religion has been. And whether these voices identify as 
ex-evangelical or simply just had a front row seat or pew to the strangeness, they are, they are now prominently and understandably non-theist or anti-theist. But Pete? Petey boy is a believer. Maybe even an evangelist. Sure, he won't come knocking on your door on a Saturday morning in his fresh-pressed white t-shirt and tie, and you won't find him on an inspirational cable TV channel on Sunday morning with an unnaturally wide smile and perfect teeth. But if you listen to his podcast, you won't make it more than a few minutes before Pete launches into an in-depth conversation about the nature of reality, whether there is something more to our experiences than neurology and chemicals, and what might happen to us after we die. Pete loves it. He loves it all. You can hear it in his voice. And after asking these same or similar questions to countless guests over many, many episodes and specials and a book, he never seems to get tired of it. As a kid, Pete describes being enamored with the question, what is this? This, gesturing to the wide world all around with arms wide open, the miracle of life, consciousness, meaning, direction, the whole shebang, thisness. And I would go as far as to say that Pete has been obsessed with thisness his entire life. Pete relates finding it crazy that so few people around him were enamored with curiosity or wonder. That so few were walking around asking the question, what is this? That question follows Pete around even as his beliefs change and transition. It is the question that draws him to his initial Catholic and Protestant Christian beliefs. And it's the same question that haunts him as he loses those belief, beliefs and finds himself an unexpected atheist. It is the question that permeates his experiences with hallucinogenic drugs and psychedelics and his meeting and following of a Hindu-formed mystic. Throughout all of these changes and ideas and beliefs, Pete never strays far from that one centering question, what is this? Now, many churches could teach a masterclass on what not to do with religion based on Pete Holmes' testimony. Many believers I have known would probably refer to his belief, quotations intentional and deriding, as a smorgasbord of beliefs of religion. A little from over here, a bit from over there, pick and choose as you like. And they would have seen his acceptance of hallucinogenic drugs and extramarital sex as moral relativism, a complete loss of absolute values. I can still hear their chiding voices in my head because I've said those exact same things. And I was a teenage boy and young adult in this system, and I have those same uninvited thoughts and judgments still kicking around. I imagine a scenario when it comes to Pete Holmes. I imagine that someone knocks on Pete's door this Saturday morning, and the man has a suit and tie on. He hands Pete a color pamphlet about his local church's upcoming events. He tells Pete that God loves him and wants to know him and be known by him. And Pete breaks into the widest smile imaginable, invites the man inside and says, Fantastic! I'll go grab us some mushrooms. We can hang out with God together. 
and the man, his smile fading, withdraws from Pete's doorstep with the final words, you're doing it wrong. And that's the key, isn't it? We have in our head this instinctive sense that there is a right and wrong way to do all things, including how we interact with the concept of the divine. Perhaps this is why we have hundreds, if not thousands, depending on your definition, of denominations within the Christian faith alone. And it should be said, this instinctive judgment is important because not all beliefs are made equal. Even the most strident anti-theist would agree that some approaches are more beneficial or more disastrous than others. Perhaps instead of right or wrong, we should consider terms such as more helpful and least helpful, healthy or unhealthy. So in our illustration, I empathize with the door-to-door -door evangelist telling Pete that he's doing it wrong. I understand that those who hold apprehension to Pete's path to the divine do so for good reason. I understand those who uphold the importance of orthodoxy. I understand the need for gatekeepers. But here's the thing about gatekeepers. Gatekeepers can get really, really focused on right and wrong, in or out, orthodox and heretical. And it's possible that they can become so focused on the correct words and forms and processes that they lose the purpose behind it all. They forget or neglect or even despise their initial slack-jawed wonder at the mystery of it all. They lose their what-is-this-ness. Perhaps they should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. <laughs> That's an Easter egg. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying that Pete Holmes has found the secret sauce. I'm not a Holmesitarian or a Holmesian. <laughs> I'm not saying that the best or only way to interact with the divine is to have a Catholic Protestant Christian upbringing, go to Christian college, engage in sex shame, have an early and hurried marriage to the first person you were physical with, and then subsequently end that marriage due to neglect and infidelity, adopt atheism, pursue a career in stand-up, experience a hallucinogenic experience with mushrooms, meet a mystic uh, and have an experience with Ram Dass, have a series of sexual relationships aimed at removing previous sex shame, read multiple works by Joseph Campbell, Richard Rohr, and Rob Bell, and eventually finally arrive at some Christ-leaning Hindu-informed belief in the divine. Whew, that is a mouthful, and maybe I should have prefaced it with a spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, you should still read the book, as any comedian will tell you. It's not the joke itself. It's in the telling. But I'm also relatively sure that Pete doesn't care. Pete doesn't care that people think he's doing it wrong. Pete's the first to say that people shouldn't try to do it like him. I'm pretty sure that Pete hears that his approach his methods, or his belief are wrong on a regular basis. Maybe from his parents, maybe from old acquaintances from years past, maybe from congregants of his old church that he visits on Easter or Christmas, maybe from strangers online. 
I don't think that Pete cares if he's doing it right because he's just busy doing it. He is asking the big questions that animate and excite him. He's interacting with both the concept and the personal nature of reality and the divine. He's trying to break out of a dualistic mindset. He's telling anyone who will listen about all of it. Warts, awkward stories, missteps, and all. Towards the very end of the book, Pete relates how when he was finishing up the book, his mum was excited because she could finally give it to her church's pastor to explain her son's wayward journey, validate his roundabout way of returning, in part, to a belief in Jesus, the Christ, and the Bible. And Pete's response? Mum, it's not for the pastor. It's for people who lost their faith but still catch themselves quietly, alone in the car going, what is this? They're not done. Pete's not writing for the gatekeepers. He's writing for them. Those who are not done with wonder, with meaning, with mystery. They're not done. And neither is Pete, or you, or me. Well, friends, there we are, episode 10 of the Something From Everything podcast, Gatekeepers of Thisness. Thisness. This, th that's a hard word to pronounce repeatedly. Too many isses and esses. The music that just wrapped up at the end is When the Lights Came On by Kai and Gal off of their album Call and Echoes. It is under Creative Commons, non-commercial attribution license, and you can find their music at freemusicarchive.org. And friends, if you like reading more than listening, I don't know why you're here, but thank you. Uh, but you can find written posts with hyperlinks as well as all of these audio recordings at somethingfromeverything.com. And while you're there, why not subscribe? I hardly ever email out, so I promise I won't fill your email with spam. But I will post and let you know if there's something exciting or noteworthy coming up. You can interact with this post, and me, of course, by following Something From Everything podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it as well. And if you happen to be listening on an Apple device, would you take a moment and leave a review for this podcast? It really helps the podcast stand out so that others can find and enjoy it. As always, I really appreciate all the feedback, all the shares, all the support that I receive from all of you. You guys are absolutely the best. Thank you again for listening. I hope that regardless of your beliefs and gatekeepers, that you will be able to take a moment and ask yourself, what is this? I hope that you are filled with awe and curiosity and more than a little humor as we create something from everything. Bye, friends. <laughs>